morning. What a beautiful morning. Thank you, team, for leading us so well today. Praise God. It's so good to be with you today. I was just thinking this morning, I was praying for us today, and just thinking about how much I love you <laughs> and how much I love being with you and love seeing you. It's especially good to see Miss Sue this morning. And uh, I'm so glad that she feels well enough after a knee replacement to be with us today. Also, just to put on your hearts, uh, pray for one of our partners. Uh, actually, and this is one of the things that just I adore about this woman, Miss Doris Hightower. She was our very first partner. Um, she, when I went to go to the, the legacy group to talk to them about the covenant and what God was doing in our church as a covenantal body, she just brought that covenant right back to me, signed, and she said, there you go, let's go. <laughs> just blessed my heart. Um, but she's hurting this morning because her husband passed away last night, Don. So pray for Miss Doris as she's uh, struggling today and uh, not in the best health herself, so lift her up. And also pray for Ural Johnson, who I understand is on the way to the hospital this morning because of some possible chest pains and some things. So we just want to lift him up as well, these that are part of our family this morning. Can, can I just do that quickly? Just real focused prayer for them. Father, we love you, and I'm so in love with this family, and I'm so grateful, God, for the blessing of being able to serve them and uh, care for them. And Lord, what a privilege it is. And God, I just want to lift up to you day, today, not only Miss Sue's continued healing, but Miss Doris and the loss of, of Don. And God, I pray that you would just comfort her heart like only you can and be with her, Lord, even in this season of life. And Lord, I want to pray for Ural and Judy as, as they're wrestling through that medical need this morning, God. Um, you know exactly what each of these people need and what they're facing. And you are enough and you are the great physician that can heal and bring hope. And Lord, we ask that you would do that for our family today. And anyone else that I'm not speaking of and don't know of, Lord, that's hurting, that's struggling, God, would you bring your healing and comforting touch of the power of your Holy Spirit to their lives and, and do a work there, God. We trust you in that and we love you and we thank you that as the body, what a privilege it is to lift one another up. And so, God, that's what we do this morning. I pray for our service. Pray for your word, Lord, that it would be um, all that you wanted to do in our lives, that you would do it, God. That we would say yes, that we would be open and we would accept what you want to do in our, us, Lord, and we would have the courage to be obedient and that you would reveal the truth of your word to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Teach us, Lord. May you increase and I decrease in this time when we pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been in a uh, study in, in the book of Mark. And uh, I'm, I'm, it's good to see you this morning. And I hope you had last Sunday, I hope you had a wonderful time in our city group families. I know we did. We had about 20 people in our house. And I know there were groups meeting all over central Arkansas, which is so beautiful because... Can I just say, in many ways, I think the church has forgotten that we're a family. In many ways, we've forgotten that. The big C churches just think, you know, we, we think it's an event, it's a place to go to, it, it's an organization, but no, it's a family. And when we gather in these smaller expressions of the church all over the city, we're reminding each other, we're a family, and we pray together, and we, we do the Lord's Supper together as the early church did, and we worship together, and we get to discuss the word together. It's a beautiful beautiful time, and I, and I hope that you're enjoying City Group Sunday. I, I'm, I'm hearing amazing stories of what God's doing on these Sundays, 
and just excited about what God is doing in our church. Uh, in fact, one of the things we talked about last Sunday in the text we were studying together in our homes was Jesus basically bringing the attention to his disciples that, you know what, the body of Christ can actually be a deeper, sometimes more significant family than our own blood family. He says, no, this is my family. These are my mother and brothers. And so I'm just even encouraged this morning to be with my mother and brothers here today, just to be here with the family that is the family of families. Uh, this week we're going to start to see Jesus in a teaching style that he loves to use throughout the Gospels, and that is parables, right? There's these stories that Jesus uses. They're almost like riddles, and uh, he uses, they're actually brilliant, and everybody loves a story, right? And that's one of the reasons Jesus does this, is what he does is he, he gives us something that's familiar to our understanding, to our lives, that we can go, oh, yeah, I get that, I know that. And then he brings alongside of it a deeper spiritual understanding. In fact, that's actually the, what it means in the Greek. Para means alongside of. Balo means to lay next to. So it's like what, what he's doing here is, is taking something that we can understand and laying next to it something of spiritual depth that helps us understand that spiritual depth even more. Things of the kingdom, things of, of the Lord. And so that's what he begins to use Today, and we're going to take a look at one of those. A few weeks ago, we studied how Jesus and his disciples were walking through some grain fields. Remember that? And they got in trouble with the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath and they had taken some heads of grain and they ate them because they were hungry. And what's interesting is the very paths that Jesus was walking on through those grain fields, he's going to talk about again today in our text. If you have your Bibles, Mark 4. There's three different sections. We're going to go from Mark 4, 1, all the way to verse 20, okay? But we're going to take it sort of in three sections. And we're going to read the first nine verses together. And we're going to hear this parable of Jesus. Mark 4, 1 says this. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea and on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did uh, not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and, yield, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil, and it produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, and sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus shares this story. And uh, people are listening. At the very end, he adds this kind of a serious comment, right? He who has ears, let him hear. And at the end, you kind of go, oh, wait, that's sort of a serious phrase. I need to make sure that I got the understanding of what he was saying. But everybody didn't necessarily get that understanding. In the, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew tells us this story, in essence. And I think what's interesting, a little different, he says, on the same day, he starts off this parable. So 
meaning on the same day of, of when they had been in the home, right? When they had been crowded and when Jesus said, this is my family. So this is a busy day. This is the same day. Jesus leaves the crowd. He leaves a mom. And you remember the, the story of, of mom and brothers and they came to arrest Jesus because they thought he was crazy, right? They said, he, he's saying some crazy things and uh, he's not eating. We need, to take, we need to take hold of him and leave, which speaks a lot about what they thought about Jesus, right? We know that his brother James didn't believe Jesus was Messiah until after the resurrection. So that speaks a lot about his, his family here, right? What is he saying? It's a very interesting kind of a moment. It's a busy day. Jesus leaves that setting, and he does what he, he's done time and time again, which is he goes to the sea. It's not very far. Can I just say this is most likely in Capernaum. It's not very far from where Jesus is at in Peter's uh, mother-in-law's home to the sea. It's kind of like me going, hey, let's walk out to the interstate. I mean, literally, it's about the same distance. So it's not, it's not a far distance. So the, the sea is such a part of their lives, and Jesus loves to teach by the sea. And so he walks down by the sea. People just naturally begin to follow him. Some are there to hear from Jesus. Some are there to really get what he's saying and understand, and some are there to accuse and just waiting on him to say something wrong so that they can blame him for something. And Jesus gets in a boat. This time he doesn't leave. This time he just puts out in the water a little bit and uh, stands in a boat. And the crowds filter around the seashore. Now, the thing about Capernaum and, and Galilee is it's almost set up naturally. The geography is almost set up like a little amphitheater. I, I brought a picture, I think, if we, if we have that, Tracy. The picture is, kind of shows you sort of the, uh, let's, let's, there's another picture, I believe. That's a picture I want to show in just a little bit. There it is. That could literally be the very place, you see the little inlet there, could literally be the very place where Jesus had the boat and began to speak, and, and the surface of the water and the backdrop of, of the land could offer sort of a natural amphitheater for sound, for volume, and you wonder how Jesus spoke and was able to be heard. Well, he had created a place perfect for that, right? And so he stands on the boat and he preaches, and he begins to teach in parables, which are kind of like riddles. There's a brilliance to a parable, because what it does is, if you're truly there, and I, let me just say there's, I was thinking about this this morning, there are so many layers to this. <laughs> this parable even has a layer today with us in the same way as it had with Jesus' audience in that moment in a place like that. If the people were there to understand and really hear Jesus' heart and the meaning of what he was trying to preach and teach, they could dig in and go deeper with him. But if they were there to accuse and they had a wrong heart and they, really, they were there for some other reason, they would miss it. It's the same for you today. It's the same for me. Why are you here? What are you here to learn? Are you, are you just here because your parents made you come or this is just what you do, it's just sort of tradition? Or are you here to listen and to understand and to get what God wants to give you today? Jesus begins to speak about this story of a farmer, which in first century Galilee would have been a very familiar sight. Like I said, Jesus had already been walking through the fields, the grain fields, right? So this is exactly that sort of place. When he begins to speak about a farmer sowing seed, that would have been a very um, common occurrence to see a farmer in that season of the year sowing seed. They would have known what he was talking about. They would have understood the, the types of soils that he was mentioning, right? 
But he wasn't just talking about the sower. This is often referred to as the parable of the sower. But that's really a bad name because it's, the story's not about the sower. It's about the soil. It's about the soil. It's about the condition of the soil. What is the condition of the soil? Well, Jesus begins to explain there's four different types of soil that, that happen when someone's sowing seed, four different types of soil. He begins to explain. There's a soil along the pathway. This is exactly the place that, that he was a few weeks ago when he was taking, they were taking the seed from uh, the grain and eating the grain because they were hungry. Well, there's little pathways that people would travel on from one place to another, and they, they would repeatedly continue to travel on these places. That soil would get packed down. It would be as hard as a rock at places. And so as a farmer would sow the seed, that seed wouldn't go into the ground. It would just sit on top of the ground. And so much so that one commentary said birds would just follow a sower because they wouldn't have to work for it. They wouldn't have to dig down. They'd just follow the sower, and they would just come and get the seed that was placed on the path. Jesus says there's another soil, there's a rocky soil, and this is the soil that, I was going to show that other picture of, of that, uh, if you can see it, this is literally just a little ways up from the other picture, and if you can tell, see how rocky that is? I mean, when you look down at your feet, it's, it's very little soil and lots of rock. And so Jesus says there's some seed that falls along places like this. And the seed doesn't have a chance to go down into the soil because there's not a whole lot of soil. And, and often what happens is the seed gets superficially planted in the soil above the bedrock or above a section of rocks. And what happens is that a plant will begin to grow. And you'll see something shoot up and it'll be green and you'll go, hey, it's kind of like the things at the end of my driveway with the little cracks. And you're like, how in the world is that plant growing out of my driveway, right? There's almost no dirt, but it found a way. And I can just go, Bloop, I can just pick it up. And the reason it can be picked up so easily because it has no root system. Jesus says when the sun comes, that that thing withers and dies because it's, it's not really uh, going to be a lasting plant. It's just superficial. And then he says there's soil that, that has to do with thorns. I gave another picture, and I don't know how I happened to have all these pictures. I just, the Lord's providence. I just took some pictures, and I was looking through my pictures, and I thought, wow, I also got a picture of some thorns. That's pretty interesting. This is in the same place. Literally, these are just a few pictures from one another. These are the kind of thorns that, that he's talking about. And so as a farmer's throwing the seed, different seed goes in different places. Well, some of the seed falls along plants like this. And, and it's deceptive because this seed ends up growing into a plant, and it may be a fully formed plant right? But the problem is it's sharing the nutrients with the thorns. And so because it's sharing the nutrients, it doesn't produce fruit. Now, I learned this, sadly, um, this year in my garden. Now, I've told you about my garden before. Last year, I'm going to be on, I'm going to make a little confession here. I was a little prideful last year in my gardening stories. The Lord has humbled me this year. I've been humbled in my gardening experience. So last year, I literally produced well, the Lord produced 200, 250 tomatoes probably, a lot, a bunch. I was canning all kinds of stuff. I'm still eating the salsa from last year. That's what I like to make, salsa. Well, this year, I'm, you know, I'm an awesome gardener. So I go and I prepare the ground and I get it all together. And I'm, I spend money on some tomato plants. And I get them all set up and going. And, they, and I started a little late, and that was part of the problem. But 
they started to grow and they looked pretty good. Well, I was a little lazy this year. I was. And I kind of just let the grass grow with the tomato plants and the weeds grow with the tomato plants. I thought, hey, grass is this high, tomatoes are going to be this high. This shouldn't be a problem. I'll be able to reach the tomatoes, right? Wrong. I, I, I thought everything was okay. I began to see the little yellow, what do you call those things? Buds where the tomatoes are going to be formed. I'm like, another great year. Here we go. No tomatoes. I literally got five or less than 10 tomatoes this year. Like the cost of per tomato is pretty absurd, to be honest with you. My wife is not happy with that, right? So uh, I failed because there was so much competition in the ground for nutrients. There was so much competition that my tomato plants didn't have what they needed to produce fruit. It looked like they were going to, but they were worthless. They did nothing. And then Jesus tells us about the soil that's good soil. And this is soil that's ready to receive the seed. It's free of rocks. It's free of thorns. The roots can go down deep and create a a structure and a root system that's going to feed the plant. And it's going to produce. And he gives these numbers. It's going to produce 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold, which, by the way, in first century Galilee is insane numbers of production. One theologian said that the the actual percentage they were used to was probably around 8%. So when Jesus says, you're going to plant something and it's going to be 30%, 60%, 100%, they're going, what kind of plant is he talking about? He's talking about the gospel plant, the supernatural ability of the Spirit to do what only the Spirit can do. And then he closes uh, this parable and saying, let him who have ears... Let him hear, right? Well, what's funny about that statement, and I, it's, it's kind of ironic, is that they all had ears. <laughs> Everybody there listening had ears for the most part, right? And as we're going to see in just a little bit, and Jesus explains this parable, they all heard. So it really wasn't about their ears or their hearing. Jesus was saying to go deeper. It was about their listening. It was about their attentiveness of their hearts. It was about offering their lives to learn and and to grow and and to be there for what Jesus had to say. I kept thinking, I know we're getting closer to Christmas. I love the Christmas season. I was thinking about this and I thought the, the Christmas song, Do You Hear What I Hear? Here's the reality this morning. We're all in different places in our walk with Jesus. If we have walks with Jesus, we don't all hear the same thing. You don't necessarily hear what I hear, and I don't necessarily hear what you hear. And what I'm, what I'm encouraging us to do this morning is say, God, open my heart. Help me not to just hear with my ears, not to just listen to some sounds, but open my heart to what you want to say to me today. What I just even ask that you just pray that. Even in your spirit, now open my heart, God, to the truth of what you want to speak to me. Well, as true in a lot of the parables that Jesus taught, (laughs) some were confused. Some didn't get it. And so the disciples get Jesus alone and they go, Jesus, can we ask ask about the parable? Right, look with me in the text. Luckily, the disciples get some inside information. Verse 10 
says, and when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now Jesus, in this little section, is doing two things. The first thing he's doing is he's reminding the disciples, you're not like the folks on the outside. <laughs> Guys, you have been given, and he says, the secret of the kingdom. Now the word used in the Greek here is mysterion. And that, even as I say that, you can hear another word, can't you? Mysterion. And so a, really a better translation in this spot is mystery more than secret. One, one theologian said, you know, a secret is something that you, you uncover. Somebody tells you a secret, well, now you got it. There it is, that's the secret. But a mystery has to be slowly discovered, right? You find out little clues, you learn a little bit more, and that, that's really the intention of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, guys, you're the disciples, you're, you're on the inside track, you have inside information. You've been discovering from me that I am Messiah. You've been discovering by the miracles you've seen, by the things I've taught. Have you been discovering? Right? You, you ought to hear this. You ought to know these things. You ought to be understanding these mysteries. The second thing he's doing is he's bringing attention to the fact that there's some people who have ears, but they're not hearing. You know, these are people who are not there to learn. They're not there to grow. They're not there to, to truly understand they're there to make accusation. This is the Pharisees. These are the people on the outside just going like this. I want to see what he has to say now, right? First read this, and I thought, why would Jesus not want to really communicate, really help people understand? But the reality is there is a judgment against people who deny the Holy Spirit. So Jesus quotes here from uh, the book of Isaiah. And uh, as he quotes, this is Isaiah 6, and he says, They may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So Jesus goes back to this prophetic word about people who deny the work of the Holy Spirit. And here he's specifically speaking about the, the Pharisees. Here, here's what he's saying. You might remember from our text last week that we studied there were these Pharisees that were saying, they weren't believing Jesus to be Messiah, right? And we studied this, this text of scripture that, that talks about denying the Holy Spirit and, and the fact that there's this unpardonable, unforgivable sin. And there is. That sin is denying that Jesus is Messiah. If you're sitting here today and you deny that Jesus is Messiah, that is a sin that cannot be forgiven. You will die and go to hell. That is the truth of God's word. It will not be forgiven. Don't make the mistake of that sin. Believe, seek, search, listen, understand with all that you have today. I can't explain to you how important this word is. As a friend, as a nobody who's been saved by God's grace and goodness, hear the word of God right now, for you to deny that Jesus is the Savior of the world is the unforgivable sin. And Jesus explains that last week in our text. 
right? This is part of that conversation in that what he's saying is, listen, this is a judgment. This is a judgment. When you, when you deny Christ, when you say, I'm not going to believe, I'm not going to listen, I'm not going to pay attention, you have that hard-heartedness. There is a judgment against you. And it is that you may see something, but you won't perceive. Or you may hear something, but you won't understand. And then Jesus says, because if you really did, you'd be forgiven. And, and what I love about the gospel story, and as we study the book of Acts and different places, we see that there are a lot of priests and Pharisees like Nicodemus who come to Jesus. Right? They, he came in the middle of the night. <laughs> but he came to believe and he was born again, it says in John 3. So these two things. You're in the inside uh, camp here. You get to ask these questions and you're discovering the truths of who I am, the mysteries. And secondly, there are people who are not. They get parables. And they will see but not understand. They are, they are under judgment for their lack of belief. And then the third part of the text this morning is the explanation, which is so cool. You know, we, we, we have a lot of Jesus' parables. We don't always have Jesus himself going, let me explain this, right? So the disciples, and us included, we go, what does that mean? He goes, well, all right, let, let's take a look at this. But before he gets to the explanation, he has a little bit of a rebuke, verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Right, at the beginning of Jesus' tour of par parables, he's going, guys, you don't get this one? Oh, boy. Oh, gosh. <laughs> if you don't get this one, how will you understand the rest? Right? I, I have uh, ceased being the math tutor in our home. I'm just going to confess that as well. A lot of day of confessions. Never been good at math. And you know that show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? When it comes to math, turns out I'm not much smarter than a fifth grader. Because they've changed. I started algebra in high school. They started al they start algebra now in the fifth grade. So around fifth or sixth grade, they're doing a certain things. I'm going, huh, L Lori? That's what I'm doing. And she is now the math tutor in our home. But one of the things that I do understand about algebra is this. You won't get very far at algebra or calculus or anything else of a higher math unless you understand addition and subtraction, unless you understand multiplication and division. And so we're always telling our kids, focus here. Understand the steps on the front end because if you don't understand this, you won't understand that, right? It's exactly what Jesus is saying in this parable. Guys, you have to understand that we have to have lives that are receptive to what God's word wants to speak to us. We have to be open. We have to be seeking. We have to be discovering the mystery that God wants to lay out in our lives. Is that who we are? And then Jesus goes to the explanation in verse 14. He says, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. 
and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while, then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So Jesus is explaining, this is, this is the deeper understanding of the parable. I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. Each of these soils, if you will, have meaning. And you know what's interesting? Even today, each of those soils is represented in you. Today. Everyone, probably. I wish that wasn't the case, but I believe it's probably the case. Jesus says, if you're of the soil type that is along the path, then what it means is that your heart is hard. Your life is hard. It means God can't penetrate anything in you. You know why? Because you know everything. You got it all figured out. You understand all the things of the universe and the world, therefore I got it figured out. And your heart is hard. But can I just add something that Jesus adds here as a warning to you? And if this is you, you're, you're probably doing your best to not listen. <laughs> but can, can you try just for a second? And that's this. You see, when we get to the place where we reject Jesus, Satan himself will come and take the word away from our lives. That's what Jesus is saying. When the word is given to people who, and listen, the word is given all the time to different people. Even now, there are some who don't believe or are listening, but they're rejecting it. They don't want to listen. And Satan himself will come and steal that word away so that it has no effect on your life. Why? Because you've already rejected Jesus. There is a time in our lives, if we continue to reject Jesus, if we continue to say no, if we continue to say, I don't want to hear that, I want to live my life, I want to do my own thing, there will be a place where your heart will be so calloused There will be a place where you commit that sin and you cannot be forgiven. That sin of unbelief. Now, if you don't reject, if you accept Jesus, then Satan can't touch you. Right? Satan can't steal the word from you. It's only when you've come to a place where you said, this is who I am. I'm not going to believe. I don't want to. You've done it over and over again. Jesus also is making it clear here that he's the sower. In this moment, he's the one sowing the word of God. Any moment in your life when you're sowing the word of God through proclaiming who Jesus is, you're the sower. In this moment, I'm the sower, right? Anytime you teach the word of God to your kids, you're sowing. Speaking to a coworker, you're sowing. And the seed is the word of God. Most specifically, Jesus is talking about the gospel. This is the seed that I'm giving. This is what I'm sharing with you. Will you hear it, not just hear it, will you accept it? So there's those, he says, that are along the path who have hard hearts. And then there's those who, uh, whose lives 
have rocky soil. This is a different kind of soil. These are people who hear the word and receive some of it and quickly get excited about what God's doing. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian now, right? And most, most people I see who do this, they go on this pendulamic thing from, man, I, I've started a three-hour Bible study. Whether they have or not may not be true, right? But they say they did. Or I, I, I'm now, I'm only listening to Christian music. I'm, I'm only, and those, listen, those aren't bad things. But there's typically this pendulamic thing like, okay, now I'm going to try and be the best. I'm going to do my, it's all good. But how often have I seen people who do this sort of action, they just sort of shoot up like a plant, and they have no root system, no structure. And so Jesus says that tribulation and persecution comes into their life because of the word. This is what this means. They have to make a choice. Am I going to follow God's word or am I going to do what I want to do? Am I going to follow God's word or am I going to do what everybody else wants me to do? And they fall away because their true love is not God's word and not the Savior. It's everything else. And they have no root system. I was talking to Lori this morning. When I, when I think about rocky soil, I think about a, a dear friend. I won't tell you his name, but I'll call him Rocky. <laughs> um, I was a worship leader in Nashville, Tennessee, and, and I had a bunch of bands. We had one band for every weekend, and they were all studio-quality musicians and singers. It was an incredible place to be a worship pastor. And one day this guy comes up to me and he says he's a keyboard player and, and everybody in Nashville is a guitar player, a keyboard player, songwriter. So you kind of have to work through who's really a good player. And he was very shy about his, his credits and the things that he had done. And I just kind of couldn't understand how, what, who I was talking to, the level of ability. And he, he eventually got around to the fact that he had, you know, he had worked, and I won't say the artist's name, but he had worked on one of the biggest artists in the world album recently and I was like oh well we would love to have you play with us possibly and we so he starts playing in the band and he actually we thought he got saved we baptized him and I started discipling him and we started having a men's bible study I start holding him accountable uh, for for sin in his life and for decisions he was making he seemed to be receptive to that and he sort of just went along for a couple of years and I know he didn't ever get super deep but he was sort of with us and then I, I basically told my band, I, because we had so many people in the team, I said, hey, you know what, friends, we need, to, we need to know that you believe what we believe as a church. So if you're going to be on the stage as a leader, we need to know that you believe what the church believes, because you're a lead worshiper up here. And that in your life, you're willing to say, this is who I am and what I believe. And so I put together a covenant for lead worshipers. And it was, it was basically the word of God. As this is how we will live as Christians. This is where Jesus says there'll be tribulation and persecution because of the word, right? I had two guys call me, and, they, and one was Rocky. To this day, he's one of the leading instrumentalists in Nashville. Every year, he's, he's um, in the nominations for one of the major instrumentalist awards in country music. He calls me, he says, Drew... I got, your, I got your covenant. He said, I can't do this. I said, why? He said, you know what, man, I just, I, I, I can't do it. I, I'm not there on all these things. I said, let me wrestle with you through it. Let's, let's struggle together. Let's pray. Let's meet. Let's, let's look at God's word. Let's figure this out together. He said, no, I'm done. I said, what? He said, I'm done. 
He said, I've given this Christian thing, is the way he put it, a couple of years of my life, and I'm done. I was speechless. And I was heartbroken. I, said, I was talking to Lori this morning, having a cup of coffee, and I began to talk about this individual. I began to weep. Because I sat there, and I'll never forget him hanging up the phone and me sitting, holding the phone. And I remember being at my dining room table, and I put the phone down on the table, and I wept for 30 minutes. I wasn't weeping over the loss of a friend. I was weeping over the loss of a friend's soul. Because he was rocky. His life was rocky soil. He didn't go very deep. He just was superficial. He was surface. His roots didn't go down deep into Jesus. He didn't have an authentic faith. Because people who have authentic faith will endure. We'll make it through persecution. We'll make it through tribulation. We will choose Jesus. Imperfectly, yes. But we will stand and we will endure. And this friend did not. And when I think of him, I weep. Jesus gives another soil type of life. He says there's those who are mixed with the weeds and the thorns. These people, they hear the word as well, but their lives are full of compromise. Their lives are full of compromise. This is what this means. They, they, they're concerned about all the things of the world. They're worldly. They're carnal. They're temporal. They're, they're, they're concerned about all those things more than their relationship, their commitment to Jesus, their love, their affection for the Lord. They're concerned about the deceitfulness of money, and it is so hard to follow Jesus and be rich. Jesus even said that. Because when you're rich, you really don't need anybody, and therefore you become your own God. Jesus tells the story that there's a rich man who said, and he says, tonight your soul will be required of you. And you're not ready. You think you're, you're ready by preparing your money and getting your money where it needs to be. And your heart is wrong. And that's what's more important than your money. You can't take your money. It's not going anywhere. So what you do in your heart is what matters. Don't let money be deceitful in your life. Oh, but it can because it can be like thorns that choke out God's word. And he says there's other desires there's other realities. I began to think of so many people that I know who, who've chosen something else. Their affection for something else is greater than their affection for Jesus. God, help that not to be true of our lives. Have you ever known anybody like that? They talk about their faith. They talk about how they, they know Jesus or they go to church or they have some sort of Christianese phrase that they use. But really... Their identity is in something else. Their true heart and identity is somewhere else. Right? Their affection is greater for something or someone else. But friends, Jesus is calling us to commitment. He's calling us to faith. I love the story that Jesus speaks of when he says, says, you do all these things and try to save your life, right? You'll chase the world, you'll have money, you'll have other cares, and you're trying to save this temporal life, and what's happening is you're losing your eternal life. 
says, if you'll just focus, if you'll just lose your life for my sake. In other words, if you'll understand the reality of what life is really about, and that is trusting Jesus, surrendering to Jesus, laying your sinfulness before Jesus and saying, God, I give up. I don't want to trust the temporalness of this world. I want to trust that you are the king of eternity. And I want to know you and follow you. I want my affection to be for you alone. Then you save your life, Jesus said. But we have all these distracting things in our lives. And listen, Jesus says they choke out the nutrients. Just like my garden. And I began to think about my garden recently. I'm like, I wasted all that money. I I worked my tail off in that garden. I wasted all that energy and all that time. And as I'm thinking in this sort of parable, mind and way of thinking, I thought, Lord, do you ever look at people who've made the choice to be so distracted that they don't know you and you go, what a waste. I, I had so much energy I invested so much and they rejected me. They chose something else instead of me. What a waste. May it not be true of our lives. Don't live with a double-minded compromise. Seek God alone. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33, the Sermon on the Mount, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You don't have to worry about things of this world. Just seek God first. Seek his righteousness first. Seek the things of God first. He'll take care of the rest. He has to be Lord of your life or he won't be Lord at all. I want to say that again and I want you to hear it, friends. And don't just listen with your ears. Hear with your lives and your souls. He has to be Lord, master, in control of your life or he won't be Lord at all. John MacArthur says this. He says, a love for the world and a love for the word are incompatible, mutually exclusive. The one will choke out the other. Those who truly love Christ will forsake the world. Conversely, those who love the world will forsake Christ and thus be spiritually unfruitful. Jesus says, no, we need to be people who have lives of good soil, receptivity to the gospel of Jesus. Verse 20 says, but those that were sown on the ground soil, uh, on the good soil, are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. I want you to notice something. All these soils, as Jesus explains it, I think this is fascinating and you miss it if you don't pay attention. All the soils here. Right? The pathway, the rocky, the thorny soil, they all here, including the good soil. So what's the difference here? They all hear. Only one says accepts. He hears the word and accepts it and bears fruit. That is the difference. Not just hearing. Friends, hearing this morning is a good thing. But it doesn't really matter unless you accept it. Unless what you accept in your life becomes fruit that you see God working in your heart. So I just have this question for, this, for you this morning. When you look over your life, is it good soil or not? Here's a good question. What kind of fruit do you see? Galatians 5 talks about two different types of fruit. It talks about fruit of sinfulness or fruit of the Spirit. 
So when you look back over your life, is there fruit of the Spirit? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong, listen, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's not about perfection. Don't hear me saying, because we're Christians, we live perfect lives and we never make mistakes. No. We do make mistakes. We do fall. We do have problems and issues. That's not what I'm saying. I had a friend who was talking about this topic this week, and he said, you know what? He said, I like to tell people, don't judge your life by days. Judge it by years. He said, this is what I mean. We're all going to have certain days where we make some serious mistakes. We're all going to have days in our lives, and maybe a few days, where we just, we abandon the things of God. We don't do what we need to do. There's just moments where we just, we make mistakes. But don't make a judgment over days. Make a judgment over years. How have the years been? When you look back over your life, do you see the fruit of the Spirit over the years of your life? We don't live our lives from a place of our perfection. We gotta, we gotta work, we gotta, we gotta do all these things, this pendulumic thing. No, we live from Christ's perfection. We live from his work on the cross that is perfect. It's from that place of perfection and holiness, not ours but his, that now we begin to walk and serve and live. It's the power of the Spirit that gives us the ability to say no to sin. That gives us the ability to walk in, in honoring Jesus with who we are and how we live and what's important to us. Jesus is saying to the audience, and I'm saying to you, is there maturity in your life in Jesus? Do you find yourself growing more and more in love with Jesus? Is your worship more, more full in your life? Is your obedience to God's word becoming more real in your life? Is your faith growing? Is your sin growing in your mind so you, it just becomes, oh my gosh, I'm such a sinner. That, that's one of the, the signs. When you see your sin for what it is, it's a sign of growth and maturity because you know that Jesus alone is our hope and help. Last thing I'll say, Jesus said this. John 15, I want to read verses 5 through 8. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered. Friends, listen. The branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And watch this one. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. That's the question I have for us this morning. Is your life a life of abiding in Christ? A life of fruitfulness? A life of growing maturity? Or is your hard heart and your mind is made up? Or is your life rocky where there, you might remember a time where you kind of trusted Jesus and maybe had some joy. That was a long time ago. You hadn't felt that. You hadn't lived that. Not been who you've been. Or your life is so conflicted and compromised by everything else in the world, you don't even know how to follow Jesus because you're following everything else. Or your life is a life of good soil. That you accept his word and you bear fruit, you're growing in him.
Do you have ears to hear? Awkward pause. Do you have lives to listen? Do you have souls ready? Willing to receive what God wants to give to you so that you can grow. So that God's spirit can give fruit in your life. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, if there's anybody here this morning who's been hard-hearted, they've rejected you, Lord, I pray that you would penetrate that ground by your mercy and your grace. God, just give a crack. Just give a little, a little bit of light to shine through to show the hope that we have in Jesus so that they might be forgiven, that they might believe, that they might surrender their lives to you. Oh God, please. Lord, if there's people here who are superficial and they don't truly have a relationship with Jesus, yeah, they know how to go to church. Yeah, they know how to maybe say a few things, but they don't really have a relationship of depth in you. God, would you save them today? God, if there's people who have just so mixed every spiritual thing together and it all means nothing. God, would your truth be heard today and accepted? God, may there be good soil in this room. Lives that are willing to receive your word, accept this truth, and walk in you and you alone. There is no name under heaven by which men must be saved but the name of Jesus. And in that name alone, God, we stand. All of our hope is in Jesus and Jesus alone. We submit to you, Lord. It's by your grace, through faith, in Christ alone that we stand. Move in this place, God, by your Spirit. In Jesus' name.